This week on Emerge Mobile First, a conversation with Krista Catrola, SVP of Marketing at Block Imaging. For me, it's fun and a cool challenge to be able to like look at the data and try and find stories in the data. So even though I'm just looking at analytics and numbers or a buyer's journey, now I'm, I'm realizing like I almost get to be the storyteller to the team. Welcome to Mobile First. You'll find bonus tools, expanded information, and key takeaways on our website, EmergeMobileFirst.com. For a quick and effective way to level up your mobile strategy, again, that's EmergeMobileFirst.com. In this episode, we explore humanizing and democratizing a brand with our guest, Krista Catrola. We'll hear about how they scaled through making a change in their company culture, with a closer look at the steps they took to go from 10 inbound leads a month to over 880 inbound leads a month in less than three years. That's nearly a thousand percent growth year after year. Known for her belief in enhancing company culture to get powerful results through content marketing, Krista helped make block imaging a digital leader in the medical imaging space. Her work has been recognized by Social Media Examiner, Grow, Reagan's Healthcare Communications, and the Mayo Clinic's Social Media Health Network. Krista, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to have you here. You bet. Thank you, Jordan, for inviting me. Definitely. So I like to start out with getting to know you a little bit better, Krista. Me, personally, being an entrepreneur, I'm very passionate about how and why things work and digging in to those tangible takeaways. So how about you? What are you most passionate about? I know. I was reflecting on that question. And currently, it's been about how the why I do what I do. And whether that's at block imaging or consulting or even my next venture, it's been about kind of humanizing and democratizing brands. That's, That's what I'm passionate about, humanizing and democratizing brands. And so where did this spawn from? What first inspired you to want to do that? Was it something of your upbringing? Was it an experience you had along the way? What was it? That is, well, I would say the succinctness of that uh, mission kind of only became clear in you know the last couple of years, but definitely spawned by wanting there to be results and relationships in business. Hmm. And I'm such a family person and then realizing we're doing business, but we're doing business with people like thousands of miles away. And how do we kind of create a better connection? And when it comes to, I guess, marketing, it was like, how can we bridge that gap and build trust and earn a relationship from afar? And so that's what kind of led to some of the the things that we tried out with marketing, mm-hmm. but beyond marketing, when I really am sitting there asking myself, like, what are we trying to accomplish here? All of that ended up helping really kind of humanize the brand. And when it really took off is when we democratized it. So instead of it just being mark- the marketing department's responsibility, it was more the big change happened when we sort of invited everyone in the company to be part of having a presence in the digital space and how do we take this remarkable team of people and tell and inform buyers better. And it, and a lot of it has been about empowering the team and then the team getting comfortable with how do we empower buyers out there in the digital space 
so that they will want to connect with us when they are ready to talk. So I think maybe from the marketing side, we realize we need to empower the entire organization. And then the challenge and opportunity is, can the entire organization now empower the industry, empower buyers in our specific field? And then that will earn earn the right to have a better, higher trust relationship with people when they're ready to do business. I'm really excited for this episode because you just touched on, I think, a lot of really good points that we can dig into deeper in the core episode here. So and just out of curiosity, how many people were part of the company at that point when you started to bring everyone in and democratize it? There were uh, about 60 people in the organization when we launched it broadly, said, everybody, you were invited in. We're doing these, this two-day workshop and training. So there were 60 people in the organization at that time. And that now we're 130 people. Nice. And, and how long ago was this? That was probably 2011. Okay. It's not too long ago. No. And so how did you get to this point working with block imaging? Can you maybe walk through your, your journey, the path you took? And I, know, I know you have a good story. I'm afraid it's not great. Um, no, uh, my husband and I got married shortly after college and moved to Michigan so my husband could start grad school at Michigan State. So we actually went not really having jobs lined up and just finding odd jobs. I did a couple of random jobs. My degree is in history and English, so not clearly business applications. Right at entry level. So I kind of did odd jobs. And then the funny part of the story is that I interviewed to be the receptionist at Block Imaging and I didn't even get the job. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was, so I didn't get hired. And then it wasn't until six months later when I had gotten to know one of the men that worked at Block Imaging because of church and he was put in charge of hiring a new role. And so he had said, I want you to come apply for it. <laughs> so when he hired me, I was the 10th employee. So it was very small at that point. And so I was hired to basically do data entry into their database. And just gradually, as I got to know the business, got to understand how they worked and it was so small, slowly asked for more challenging work and tried to find a need in the organization and proactively ask to be part of solving that need. And because I just, I needed more challenge. And when it's that small, they were welcoming people who could pinpoint what, what would help and people willing to sort of take on new challenges. So that's how my and that's how marketing gradually evolved for the company and I just slowly expanded what I was able to take on and if I could figure things out and then hand it off to somebody else then it would eventually grow a small little marketing department but that took a while it probably started with just hey I know we need a new website <laughs> can I be part of the group that that works on that and so Having gone through that experience and watching a company have to spend several thousand dollars to come up with a website that doesn't get built out for maybe a year, and then it doesn't even do what you want it to do now that you've 
learned even more one year in the process and it's hard to make changes then made me really want to have more control or ways of updating a website myself instead of being too reliant on an outside developer. And then also over the years realizing we just spent several thousand dollars to kind of change the look of a website, but it doesn't actually serve the buyer that much better. Right. Made me really want to find a solution that served potential buyers better and and then also serve the organization in bridging that gap between buyer and really like sales sales enablement. Mm-hmm. So I think another thing that really bothered me was seeing so many other people in our industry show up so much higher in the search rankings and some really small organizations too. So that was baffling that someone that you could pay that much to an outside developer who didn't really get SEO at that point. And so I started to do research on that because I wanted to understand so I could ask better questions. And then that would help me vet developers better. Right. Doing that research really is what, and then I even got to experience what it felt like as a buyer when you sign up for a webinar and you're trying to learn something and you're trying to download resources so you can learn something about what it is you're trying to to buy. And that's when I came across kind of the inbound concept. And and it mattered a lot to me because I was feeling it and experiencing it myself and trying to find a better solution to the problems that I wanted to solve on the marketing side for block imaging. Got it. So it sounds like this first big hurdle was this inbound challenge and really, you know, unpacking that a little bit, it's having more control over the assets to be able to align them in a way that gets you the result you're looking for. And you mentioned that having more control was the solution and you had to put a solution in place that allowed you to have this control. Can you maybe explain, I'm just curious, what that solution was that gave you that control? Well, probably, yeah, just a software that would allow, I wanted the website to continually evolve and I wanted to be able to test things and implement changes, even where things were placed on a page. I also wanted uh, control over email. So I wanted the website to then work with whatever we were using for email so that we could do a better job of getting permission-based email lists instead of just buying lists and then segmenting on the individuals visiting the site so that we were really targeting them with the appropriate information that we were putting into their inbox. So I wanted things to fluidly work together between the website and then email. And then I also wanted the analytics that would tell me this is what's working. This what's what, what is it? This one is, you know, they're both working. This one's working better. Try more of this. And then knowing that what works now may not be true six months from now. So I wanted more, real-time insight that I could look at on regularly. So that's when all of that kind of led to HubSpot seemed to piece all of these things together, give me that control for someone who's, who's not a developer. I, I don't know HTML, but it allowed me to be or to feel dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> 
in, in trying things out and seeing what works and then proposing here's what we should try next to, to improve this. So I, I, that's what I mean by control. Got it. Got it. And just to put things in perspective for people too, your inbound strategy went from 10 leads a month to 880 leads a month. And that was over the course of three years, right? So that's an 8,800% growth in inbound, which is insane. So um, that's why I wanted to learn a little bit about this. Yeah. I see. Yeah. 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 There were several big results from that. And besides just the volume of leads, like when I think one of the metrics that really bothered me when we were getting started was when I actually looked at in Google Analytics and could see, man, our web traffic was unacceptable in my mind. So, you know, what was maybe 7,000 visits a month seemed unacceptable. And of those visits every month, I could see how little was from organic versus direct traffic. And then even the ones that were organic traffic, it was only people typing in like block imaging or something around the company's name. So even right. that was organic. They were just looking for us and our company. It wasn't because they right. were actually looking for, you know, a, a product or a service or a solution that we offer. So it was like, wow, this is bad. This means <laughs> I'm doing a terrible job. How do we start, you know, trying to get people to find block imaging as a solution when they're not even looking for us, but they're just looking for a solution to a problem. That was a piece of data that started to really like create this sense of urgency and frustration at the same time. Like this is unacceptable and it's a huge opportunity. And so this seems like it was a very big hurdle at the time that you came in that was prohibiting block imaging from scaling to that next level. And I'm just curious, when you first came in, how many people were in the organization at that time? I was the 10th employee. So we were only oh, wow. 10 people at, at that moment of time. So I've, I've been with them for 14 years now. And so it, it took maybe several years before I actually, you know, went from just data entry three years in. Was it three years in? It was when I actually moved from Michigan, where Block Imaging is headquartered, back to Texas. And so... For the past 11 years, I've been leading, driving change for Block Imaging's marketing, but just from my home office here in, in Dallas, Texas. And, and in a way, that was a significant challenge. And yet, I also credit that as why I was constantly on the lookout and trying to figure out how do we use new tools, social media, mobile phones before they were smartphones, to try and stay really connected with people from afar. And so just trying to solve that challenge for myself personally, to stay connected with the team of people back in Michigan, led to me trying to get really creative and resourceful with whatever tools we had, you know, back in, gosh, 2005, 2006, <laughs> 2007. Right. So before there were smartphones and, and video, you know, tools to kind of that were affordable at that point in time. So it, it kind of made me constantly on the lookout of how do we use what's becoming available in social media, what's becoming available with hangouts and video tools to kind of stay, you know, even screen share, but in a very 
cheap way too. Right. So I'm, I'm mapping out all these, these hurdles, right. That took place and the tipping points that allowed you to jump to these next levels. So coming in as the 10th employee, really that focus was on identifying where the company was at, being able to assess, right. What are we doing? How is it making impact? How is it not making an impact? What do we need to change? And so really it was just an understanding. And then that allowed you, once you had this understanding to make the necessary tweaks, to get on the right path, to get to that next level. And then it sounds like getting to that 60 employee stage, that's where this, this content strategy or that workshop kicked in and really allowed you to just level up, right? And, and take it to that next level. And so from there- and I would say that's also because we were doing inbound poorly for a, at least a year. Got it. You know, we had championed, hey, let's do this HubSpot thing. Let's do inbound convince them that this is going to solve all of our problems with making website changes, getting found in search engines. It'll improve our emails. But then the the big hurdle at that point was it was so hard to get content to publish on a regular basis when it was just the marketing team's responsibility. And so we, I would spend tons of energy going around trying to sort of help other people in other departments get the concept so that they would give us content in order to publish it. And it just resulted in a a lot of people thinking like, wow, Krista, that sounds great. Like this inbound marketing thing sounds amazing. Good luck with that because you're in marketing. I'm in sales. So let me get back to my job now. And, And so the only content that we were sort of gleaning from the team was really from, you know, one or two people in leadership. And it was very brand centric. you know, what we wanted to talk about, not customer centric or buyer centric. So it was like, why you should buy refurbished imaging equipment and, you know, why refurbished imaging equipment is so great. And so we kind of knew like we're publishing this, but we could be doing so much better. And this isn't, but it was so hard to get content from other people in the team. And so even though we weren't doing it great, we still were able to prove with metrics and the data enough that this was moving us in the right direction. People were beginning to find us. And then I also call LinkedIn kind of our gateway drug for inbound because that was where we started like, okay, if we can get content from you, we kind of need them to see that not everyone in the industry knows us. So we kind of did these exercises where we would pull them into a conference room and we would just say, let's Google your name and, and see what comes up in the search results. And either they wouldn't come up at all, or it would be like what they didn't really want to come up in the search results. So it was like, we can change this. You know, we can build out your LinkedIn profile. We can get them on LinkedIn. And then they start getting connections or finding other people in the industry. And so it was these little tiny light bulb moments for them that was like, oh, maybe not everybody in the industry does know us oh, you know, now that I'm on LinkedIn and I want to be able to share something, like what's valuable that I can share here? And it's like, I'm so glad you asked. Like, let's create some new content that's worth sharing or that would get people drawn into our website rather than just, you know, trying to sell something the whole time. So that was sort of another gateway drug or tiny light bulb moment for people to go through those two exercises. Really cool. And I kind of want to iterate a couple of these things. Uh, that you mentioned. So it sounds like step one, being able to fully 
extract the metrics and data so that you have the ability to understand what's happening, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then step two, take control of your property so that you can leverage this information so that you have the ability to act agilely and quickly to get through it. And then it sounds like step three then is democratizing this ability to market and create content. And one of the action items you did there was uh, the LinkedIn being that gateway drug where you empowered your team members, you leveled them up so that they felt empowered to be able to then use those tools. Right. One kind of beautiful challenge, one cool challenge that I really enjoy about my job is like now the way that business operates, like we could be doing business with people and never meet them, never have a handshake. And it's so distant. And so for me, it's fun uh, and a cool challenge to be able to like look at the data and try and find stories in the data. So even though I'm just looking at analytics and numbers or a buyer's journey, now I'm, I'm realizing like I almost get to be the storyteller to the team even though they're the ones who've done business with individuals or other organizations for a couple of years, like there's this digital story and I, that I need to tell so that the team understands the human beings on the other end in an even better way, even though they may feel like they've been interacting with them for years or they just did a deal with them. I'm realizing how much they don't know sort of the digital story behind it. Well, with that, I mean, Krista, we kind of dove headfirst into the tactics, which I was really interested about, but I would love to give you a couple minutes to tell the story and maybe explain to us what block imaging is. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, minor detail. Block imaging buys, sells, and refurbishes medical imaging equipment. So everything from MRI machines, CT scanners, X-ray, we, we buy used equipment coming out of hospitals and imaging centers, refurbish it and redeploy it uh, around the world and then service it and sell parts to maintain that equipment as well. Got it. And so we, we kind of went really micro at the beginning to understand a couple of the tactics that allowed you to scale and, and overcome some of these hurdles. And so I guess now knowing what block imaging is, uh, maybe can we take a step back and, and try to get some insight into uh, with the current healthcare climate? how you're currently leveraging digital as a whole and maybe some of the different facets for block imaging? I guess the beginning of it was really just how do we get found more? And that way people anywhere around the world could discover that refurbished imaging equipment was an option, that there are good versions of it and bad versions depending on who you work with or what you're buying. So we were wanting to really empower buyers on the used imaging equipment market and, and, and just sort of use information to establish trust and a relationship with people who are buying equipment or parts for their, to maintain their own equipment, like anywhere in the world. Once they connected with us or found information like that online, we really wanted to, to earn the right to stay in communication with them. So that's where we use digital resources or lots of different online forms to try and allow people to share their email address in order to access one of those digital resources and download things if they're not ready to like engage right away. And, and with what we're selling, high-end capital equipment, even though it's refurbished, it's a long buying cycle. So some people will not want to talk for six months or a year. So 
going this inbound route really empowers the buyer to sort of check things out and research for a while and learn a whole lot without a salesperson having to like hold their hand the whole way or for the the buyer to feel inundated by a ton of phone calls. And then it, we've been able to like automate some of the follow-up to where once they download a resource, there's sort of a series of email drips that kind of have additional magnets to draw people back to the website to learn what would most likely be the next series of questions that they would be curious to know. And so once you can see in the data, here's what people usually would want to read next, then you can sort of automate that and set that up to be proactive about it in the future. So you're not inundating with everything, but you've got these little tiny connection points over a series of, of weeks um, that hopefully re-engage them and continue to sort of earn trust and, and show empathy with the buyer, with what they're kind of going through or the questions that they likely have at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Using every single one of those opportunities to f- further educate is also an opportunity to sort of like humanize the brand by putting not just your brand name on it, but like the face and the name of that product expert in those emails. And that's who they can, you know, now it's not just, you know, block imaging website. It's now like you can, Chris Chirac is who you're going to want to ask your, your, your next series of CRM questions. And so they kind of get to know both the brand and that, specific individual as someone that they would trust and want to connect with to ask, to ask questions. And the same thing with adding video in. And then that also gives the whole team, even if things aren't like in an automated email in the whole like sales process, now they've got a ton of resources to include as links in their own emails or to proactively forward to people that they want to stay in touch with that, kind of work 24-7. So a lot of salespeople might shoot emails off during the day, but we can see in in the data that people aren't getting around to reading it until really after they've shut down their clinic, until patients stop showing up at the end of the day. And yet that team member from Block Imaging can be at home having dinner with their family, but that's now when you know Sally is going to be clicking through and, and reading those emails to better understand the product that they're considering or how to compare two products because they're trying to make a decision. So that's been another cool piece of bringing, of utilizing email and links. Now that we've got so much content created and available, the sales team can use that in the sales process. Yeah. And I just want to call out your, your resource section is awesome. I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's insanely robust. There's a ton of great resources here. Yeah. And I love that like you were just pointing out, you humanize it when you click into the resource, you know, you have some questions, some of the key questions people would ask. And then you have that video with the person that you would talk to that's the specialist within the organization so that you're you're able to experience expertise before giving your information. So yeah, it's really, really awesome strategy. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk through that a little bit. And from the top level, mm-hmm. how you're using digital to inform and engage customers, I think it's it's a really good strategy to look into. And you just brought up, I believe you said Sally at the dinner, the dinner table, the context in which it's being engaged with. And that, I think, is a great segue into now this mobile movement and how people are engaging with brands and digital 
when it's on their terms and mm-hmm. mobile is that first screen that allows you to just take that experience wherever you go. So can you maybe talk to uh, briefly how mobile has shifted the way that you create these strategies and how you think about this engagement? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think where to start because <laughs> I don't think I went into it trying to necessarily be mobile friendly, but knowing that it is where a lot of search happens or where we really see, I would say our, our traffic to our website, the majority is not views from mobile yet, but it's growing and it's getting closer to that tipping point of, of the majority. Where we really see mobile is on emails. And people who are opening emails, it's, it's often on the mobile phone, at least first. And then later on, if it's valuable, they're clicking through later on their desktop because a lot of, most of the click-throughs happen on, on their desktop. So we do want it to be mobile-friendly. That, that was the biggest frustration for our equipment catalog part of our website, even just a year and a half ago or two years ago. That was when the, it was so hard because that portion of our website, the equipment catalog, was tied to our inventory system. And so that actually, even after going inbound for several years, we didn't even mess with trying to update the equipment catalog. It was like, all, we're just going all in on this inbound and using blog posts and these resources that we're creating with HubSpot. So all of those pages were always mobile friendly. And serving the customer in that way. And we didn't even mess with the equipment catalog for probably three or four years in. Um, and even that was a big, big undertaking. So that's finally mobile friendly. But um, boy, I feel like I did a crappy job answering that question specifically. <laughs> but even just having an awareness of, of when and how it is most important for us to show up in a mobile friendly way. It, it wasn't necessarily on the equipment catalog side. So we didn't mess with it for a while because you got to pick your priorities. No, absolutely. Like you have to be aware of your mobile value proposition. And that starts with understanding, right, where your traffic is coming from. And so just the fact mm-hmm. that you're aware that it's not a substantial enough of a traffic to invest into it, maybe on the website side, but is but knowing that it is in the the follow up engagement, then that's where the focus is. So I think that you did answer it. It's just not necessarily because of the customer engagement. It, it's it hasn't needed to be a priority yet. And actually, just out of curiosity, do you know like the percentage of mobile traffic to the website? Yes, the mobile traffic to the website is closer to forty percent. Got it. And then desktop is sixty percent. But but you know certain regions and countries. So when we send some blasts to the African continent, that we see a higher mobile uh, open on emails. So, and then even when I was, I'm just realizing certain areas of the world, like they're not sitting at their desks, like hospitals and clinics maybe are here. The people who we work with at hospitals and clinics in the U S it's very Mm -hmm. different. So uh, it is fascinating to me. So when I got to do a little side work with a group from India, how they live and die by the mobile. And so everything was communicated through WhatsApp. And so it just realized it was great for me to like get out of my normal bubble and just experience like, here's how this group 
in this, you know, culture and, and the way that they communicate, it is all in this other app. And so it just led to some conversations with the sales team, like, are you reaching out to people from these countries with these apps that seem to be the better medium of communication um, for staying connected with them? And, and then besides just, are you using WhatsApp for people in these regions? Are you actually just like saying hi and checking in? Or how about you share some links? in your check-in. So you're kind of drawing them to website pages or to resources from within the app instead of just relying on email for that. Right. Very cool. You know, I want to also make sure to give some time for the rapid fire. Uh, So real quick, uh, Crystal, what's the coolest thing you're working on right now that you want everyone to check out? (laughs) Well, if people are intrigued by what I've been describing, Marcus Sheridan just published his book recently, The they ask you answer. And I got to write a little bit of block imaging story, both in the foreword for his book. And then it referenced a couple times in the case studies that he shares for several different industries. So it describes a lot about the inbound strategy and then several case studies and how each of us have implemented it in our different industries. So they ask you answer is a book worth checking out if if you're interested in inbound sales, content marketing, and today's digital consumer. Awesome. I will link to this in the show notes section so everyone can go and check out this book and have a direct link to it. They ask you answer. Where should we go to keep tabs on your work, Krista? I have a website, kristacatrola.com. Okay. And which Katrola is K-O-T-R-L-A. So not spelled how it's pronounced. <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> um, but I'm sure you'll have a link to it. Yeah. Or, you know, follow me on any of the major social media platforms. But yeah, LinkedIn. I'm most active on probably LinkedIn and Instagram, to be honest. LinkedIn and Instagram. Great. And so I will link to this in the show notes as well so that we can go uh, follow you at your website. So make sure to do that. And also make sure to tune in this Friday to our rapid fire round where Krista will be sharing some of her most valuable resources. Well, Krista, thanks uh, for spending some time with us today and, and really being able to dig in and, and share a lot of your experience. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much, Jordan. I appreciate it. And I love the engagement and conversation. Great questions, by the way. Ah, well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Make sure to tune in this Friday where Krista shares her day-to-day resources in a rapid-fire round. And I'm always happy to be a resource in any way that I can, so visit EmergeMobileFirst.com to reach out to me directly or for additional insights, resources, and bonus tools that can help catapult your organization to the next level. Until next time, think mobile first.